Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50 with Dallas and Michael. Dallas, your topic today, why your house is more like a car than a super fund now. Just before we come on air, I said, what's the point of this, Dallas? <laughs> you, what's the, what's the, what's the you point? You always <laughs> want to take my conceptual sort of, you know, theory-based podcasts and, and make them more practical. I just like to ponder the, these sorts of theories. But the point, since you made me, Make it more. I think it's good to get the point out straight away. In, in this, in this circumstance, the point this, when I say your house is more like a car than a super fund, when we're talking to people about what assets and liabilities they've got approaching retirement, it's okay. What what do you own? What are your retirement savings? One of the things that people list is their house. It's it's first and foremost it seems to spring to front of mind of like this is an asset that I own. It, it's a part of my retirement savings. Now. That's only the case if your plan is to sell your house at retirement or during your retirement. For most people, if you have your house, that's where you've lived all your life, that's where you want to live all your life, it may well be, uh, it may well be valuable, it might even grow in value, it, I, I don't, I'm not making a, 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 a distinction there, but it does not form an asset for the purpose of your retirement savings. It is not something that you can uh, use to fund your income needs in retirement. And what I mean, and when I say it's more like your car than your super fund, your car is much the same. If you've got a car that's worth $30,000, fantastic. You need a car. You need some, you might need a car. You need some way to get around. You need transport. That's fine. I know you need that, but it, it doesn't, it's, it's not something that you can use to draw an income from. And your house is much the same. So if you've got a house and you own that, you do need shelter from the elements. You need somewhere to live. We all need that. But it doesn't form a part of your retirement savings. Whereas your superannuation fund, that money, as you put all the time, Michael, that money is the money that's going to get up and get dressed and go to work for you and that you're going to draw an income from. And so when I talk about this, you you often look at it with people's um, balance sheet approaching retirement. Their house is a, is a, a more valuable item than their car and so they think of it as forming a part of that. But it, it, it isn't really an asset for the purpose of, of these calculations. It's, it's really just, it's a consumption item. It's something that you, that you need. It's something that you will um, use up over your lifetime. But it's, it's not an asset for those purposes. It's not like your super fund. Yeah, and it, there is a cost to holding cars and there is a cost to holding houses as well. And people don't often appreciate the real cost of that. Yes. Um, there was this. I mean, we've done quite a few podcasts on on where these figures have actually come into the podcast, and the figures that we believe are the holding costs of a, a property. Um, look, everyone I think knows about, of course, uh, rates and water. Yeah, and we have that. I mean, conservatively, at about two and a half thousand dollars per year. It's, it's more expensive where we live. Yeah. Um. Uh, um. Uh. We also have insurance yep. at about two and a half thousand dollars per year. Now that is that is a lot more expensive where we live in yep. North Queensland yep. because of cyclones. Um, 
But if we're if we're fair and we say they average out at two and a half thousand dollars for rates of water, two and a half thousand dollars for insurance, you're at five thousand dollars maintenance. We have at at a, a real rough rule of thumb, one point two five percent of the the value of the property, um, and that includes the value of the land as well. So people people are shocked when they hear that figure. Um, but if we break it down, what that really is is a paint inside and out every fifteen years. That's forty thousand dollars yep. or thereabouts. Yeah, if if you break that down to an annual figure, yes, that's two thousand six hundred and sixty-six dollars you're spending every year. Yeah, on painting there, yes. it doesn't come every year. Every year it comes yep. every fifteen years. Yep, but it still comes. Um, yeah, replace split system, split system air conditioning every fifteen years. Mm. Now you may live in a part of Australia that doesn't require that. I'm sure yep. there might be some. Yep. Cost there that you have for heating, yeah. Um, but but if you live in a hot part, mm. then that's about twenty thousand dollars for the average house yep. for every fifteen years, and that's a cost annually. Then mm. just for just for replacing air conditioning, yep. One thousand three hundred thirty-three dollars. Um, yep. yeah. Replace bathrooms, kitchen, floor coverings every twenty years. Uh, so what I'm talking about that is a new bathroom, yep. Uh, a new kitchen. And replacing floor coverings every twenty years, I've just put down fifty thousand dollars for that, yeah. roughly. Yeah. So that's two and a half thousand dollars per year. Um, you know, if you then look at general maintenance every year, electrician, a plumber, etc., about a thousand dollars a year. So you're at seven and a half thousand dollars per year. Yeah. Uh, and on a six hundred thousand dollar house, that's where your one point two five percent. Yep. Rule of thumb comes in. Now people say to me, you know, um, uh, what's the alternative? Like yeah, you know, I'm not. It's it's not realistic that I'm yep. probably going to rent in retirement, uh, it, it, and that may be the case. I think that's a fair enough comment. Mm. Yeah. But um, what what people are surprised because what they assume is when they own their house fully outright and they've yep. paid it well, off, there's no cost. Somehow they've got an assumption here that there's not there's no cost or there's very little cost, and they're shocked. Yes. Yeah, and when we add up the yeah you know, the rates and water yeah. two and a half thousand dollars, yeah. uh, the, the the insurance two and a half thousand dollars to be conservative, and yeah. then the uh, the maintenance an average of seven and a half thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you know, you, you're sitting at somewhere around the twelve and a half thousand dollar running cost mark per yeah. year. And I think that's um, I guess my my point or the way that to to think about this, it's not it's not that you shouldn't own a house. Um, it's not that you don't, you know, for some people you, you are going to own a house. It's just mentally categorizing that, that, uh, that thing in the right place. Like if you own a $50,000 car and you plan to keep that car, uh, you know, throughout the 20, 30 years of your retirement, yes, it, yes, you could sell that car for some money, but it, it doesn't form a part of it. It's just categorizing your house in the same way that we categorize your car where you go, mm. yeah, there's some value there. There's some saleable value. But it's not it's not an asset that's going to generate you an income. It's not an asset that's going to um, you know, get dressed and get up and go to work for you. It it is a consumption item. And so there's I guess two parts to this is that your house is a consumption item in the same way that your your car is a consumption item. And what I mean by that is, if you're driving more car than what you need, if if you're going to church once on a Sunday two kilometers away and you've got an eighty thousand dollar four by four brand new Land Cruiser. That's probably a bit of overkill. You're paying for more car than what you need. You're consuming more car than what you need. Mm-hmm. The same thing applies with your house. If if you've got a five bedroom, yeah, you know, two bathroom house because that's sort of the house that you had when you had 
three kids at home and you just that's where you live. There is a cost to running that house throughout your retirement and you are consuming that house throughout your retirement. Now, again, you might choose, you might make a choice to say that's what I am going to consume. That's what, that's what I'm going to spend on, on house every, every year. That's fine, but that's a decision that you need to make. Where I think people become a bit unstuck here is that they think of that as I've got more house than what I need in the same way that I've got more car than what I need, but it's okay. That's an asset. Um, and my point here is with a car, it's very tangible. You, you, I know that that car is going to depreciate in value over the next 30 years. So if I'm retiring at 65 and I've got a 30-year retirement life expectancy like most couples, I know that my car, if I, can, if I can get through the next 30 years with just my car, the car's not going to be worth much at the end of it. With your house, this is, I guess, where I would actually separate this out. We, we talk about a house as though it's, it's, it's a property, it's one thing. You think about your 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 home is is made up of two components here. There's the actual structure of the house, and then there's the land. Now, over the next thirty years, I'm not making a judgment call on what the land value will be. I, you know, historically, land has appreciated at around the rate of inflation, and we've gone into all that in detail before as to why that is the case. But historically, that's what happened. In some cases, it's land has appreciated by by more than that. In some less. The point I'm talking about here is the, is the house component, is the structural thing that sits on top of the land. If you have, a, as you just touched on there, Michael, if you have a house that is sitting there and it's going to sit there for the next 30 years, the elements are just going to beat away at that thing for the next 30 years, especially here in Townsville. And in 30 years, the actual value of that of the house, of the structure itself, is going to be less than what it is now unless you are spending significant amounts every year on maintaining updating it, keeping it basically new. So that's, I guess, part two of my thoughts here around this is, is that when I say your house is like more like a car than a super fund, it means that it, it doesn't form a part of your assets for retirement savings. You can't draw an income from it. it it's, not a, it's not something that, that will, will do the work for you and, and allow you to draw an income from. Secondly, the actual house itself is, is not an asset that's going to grow over time. Now, the land value may, but the house itself is not going to grow. It's going to be consumed slowly over time. Yeah, I think of it a little bit of a different way. Yeah. Um, what I think of it is that I have to sink 1.25% of the value of the house just, into the house every to, year to maintain its value, yeah. to tick it along with inflation. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, over a 30-year period... Mm. Um, yeah, you know, basically at one point two five percent per yeah. year. Yeah. It's it's uh what's that, thirty seven thirty seven percent, thirty seven and a half percent I've yeah. actually put so into you, Yeah, you basically replaced the I, I, it, it's it's cost me thirty seven and a half percent of the value of the house that I can mm. sell it for at that point in time. Yeah. Yes, it's ticked along with inflation. Yeah. But but each and every year that I'm doing the remembering that each and every year that I'm doing any works on it. Yeah. The cost of those goes up as well. So yes. the price of the house ticks along and yes. goes up. But my 1.25% is getting bigger every year in dollar terms mm-hmm. that I'm putting into it. Forget what I was, you know, forget all that. Yeah. Just just think of that in percentage terms. Whatever yeah. I can sell the house for, yeah. if I've, I've held I'm, the house for 30 years. Yeah, I've already consumed that. I've actually, I've actually put 30 about 37.5% yes. uh, of the value of that. Of that saleable value, yep. I've actually put into keeping that house 
in a state of repair mm. that I need to to have it maintaining and grow its value. So yeah. it's quite a bit when you when you yeah. I mean when you th- when you think of that whatever I'm selling for let's just call it a third yeah you know, yeah a third of that house if you get a visual a third of that house it's cost you um, besides paying it off and all those types of things, it's yeah. cost you another third of that house just to keep it, just at to that keep state. it ticking along with inflation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, a car works a little bit differently because you don't, you know, reupholster a car generally, and you don't, um, you, know, you don't do is, all those types of things. A good but, example, but, but basically, a car drops in 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 value. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's it's a similar thing. It's cost you. It's actually the. It's, a, it's actually either depreciated in value or it's cost you money to keep it at that to level. keep it at that value. And that's what's the old um, the thought experiment George Washington's father's axe or Theseus's ship or there's all sorts of things here where if you've got granddad's good old been around for a hundred years, I've replaced the handle six times and I've replaced the head of it five times. Yeah. Is that still granddad's axe or you, is it you not? still think of it as the same yeah, original the same axe. item? And that's like you say, when you sell your house in thirty years' time, you think of it as I'm selling that house. The land is the same. Of the actual house itself, maybe the internal structure is the same. That's about it. The walls have probably been, re, you know, it's probably been resheeted. It's probably been painted four times. It's probably, you know, there's all these different things that have happened. It's actually a different item, and that's that's where the cost has has gone in to keep that running. And so, and we're certainly saying we're not saying don't do this. Yeah. I'd be a massive hypocrite. Well, I said don't do this. I was just say no. I am saying don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beauty of this discussion for me. Is that yeah, we, we we've already talked about this. Yeah, Michael, you own your own home. I don't own my own home. I'm, mm. I, um, you know, you, like you say, if I, I, I'm willing to say, no, nah, just don't do it. You should just rent. But for most people, as you said, and, and for yourself, owning your own home is a lifestyle decision. It's a choice that you've made. It's, yep. it's not to say you shouldn't do that. It's not to say that you shouldn't, um, that you should sell your home or anything like that. It's just that, You've got to take those true costs into account. Yeah, look, and, and, and I certainly put my hand up, and I recognise that there is a cost, a significant cost to owning uh, a home. Yeah, and I'm I'm in the middle of bearing that cost yeah. right now. I mean, it, it's it's a situation where we're about to do significant renovations. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like we'll, we'll I'll be able to share that information as to how much that costs <laughs> but it's it's from initial estimates it's it's quite a lot it's a big it's a big re- like the house is yeah. 16 17 years old so some of these renovations are past due date yes the 15 year mark and yeah. there's others that are about to come due the 20 year mark so yeah. yeah it's sort of that's a rough guide as well yeah but it but it is i mean you you, you wouldn't find too many houses where the kitchen and the bathrooms are functional after twenty years, so mm. that's all. That's yep. all approaching yep. that stage at, uh, at at our house, and um, that's about to get done. So, and and I think the my main point with this as well is is when I say think of your house more like a car than a super fund. The car thing is interesting because we've talked about this. When people are approaching retirement, they say things like, "I'll buy a new car, and that'll see me out." I go, "Not many cars I know of that are going to be drivable in thirty years' time." So. The same thing applies with your house. If you're looking at what are my expenses throughout retirement, what are my income needs, even though you own your own home, it, it's you still have to allow a significant amount for that upkeep of that and for the replacement of those things. And all of that, that, that cost, like you're saying, that really has to be borne throughout that 30 years just to keep that as a livable proposition. So it's really just about being honest about what is the real cost of, of holding that property and making sure that you can afford to do that? And, and like I said, 
if you're in a situation where you, you know you have in the same way that you maybe don't need the the, the brand new Land Cruiser for seventy thousand dollars, but if you can afford to do it, why not? It's it's a choice that you've got to make. If you're paying for more house than what you need, that's completely fine. That's just a, a personal decision. As long as you can afford to do that, and as long as you are going to sustainably be able to do that throughout your retirement. Yeah, and look, there's really three main options, isn't there? There's there's you know, main um, retain the existing house that you have. Yeah. It's it's go the other end of the spectrum, which mm. is to sell and rent. Yep, and and yeah, you know, with the sale proceeds, yep. contribute that into your superannuation fund or investments. Yeah, and actually use some of the rent to pay. Sorry, yep. some, some of the rate of return to pay the the rent. Yep, um, or it's to find a middle ground there. Yep, and the middle ground is to downsize. That's exactly right. And yep. um and 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 do half and half there effectively. Yeah. You know, yeah. Put some of that downsized money into yeah. superannuation, yeah. ideally. Yeah. Uh, draw an income from it. Ha- have it invested in something that's going to outpace inflation. Yep. And um and and live in a potentially downsized, smaller uh, residence at that point in time. So yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so, like I said, I think this isn't this isn't necessarily a podcast where there's a concrete takeaway. It's it's for me just more around recategorizing, thinking of that as. Um, you know, what are your choices around your housing throughout your retirement? What, what sort of house do you want to live in in those early years and then in later years? And, and recognizing that there is a cost, that, that, that house isn't an investment. It's, it's something that I'm going to consume over the next 30 years. How much house do I want to consume and am I willing to pay the price for, for that and, uh, and, and making that choice? And like always, it's about those trade-offs of what else could I do with that money and what am I willing to trade off in order to have that? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.